Welcome to the Shred with Science podcast with your host, Dr. Chris Spearman, one of the world's leading online fitness coaches and expert in metabolic correction and a global cover model. Chris delves deep into the most up-to-date scientific literature to provide you with the tools you need to live a healthy, enjoyable, and educated lifestyle. Yo, what is going on, guys? And welcome to another episode of the Shred with Science podcast. It is episode 11. Today, we're discussing lagging body parts. This is one of the most frequent questions I get from guys and girls Guys generally, like myself as a kid, wanting to grow arms, chest, you know, various body parts, and women wanting to grow glutes, hamstrings, um, and generally lower body development. It's a massive topic. It's one that I feel there is a huge amount of kind of misconceptions about. So I'm going to give you my thoughts. Of course, the majority of my thoughts are backed by science. That being said, they are my thoughts and my thoughts only. I'll also talk in a little bit of detail about what I've done with my own lagging body parts, um, which some of which are not lagging body parts anymore for that reason. Um, and, you know, delve into a few of the aspects I think you need to take into consideration when trying to bring up lagging body parts. So, I mean, you really, first of all, have to pinpoint what you feel is a lagging body part. Um, most of us will already know, especially guys in particular, when they, they want to grow X, Y, and Z, and they make it pretty clear what it is that they want to grow, which is amazing. It's easy for me. Um, you know, generally speaking, obviously you can, you can generalize and I will always give my opinion, um, you know, for a well-rounded physique. That being said, everybody's idea of a well-rounded physique is different. Everyone wants a different look. Everyone wants to look a specific way. And, you know, not everyone is in unison as well. So taking that into consideration is important. Um, as a coach and a few co coaches out there who, who have clients, just because you feel they should bring up, um, you know, a specific body part doesn't necessarily mean that, that that's the way they should go. At the end of the day, I will give my opinion based on my thoughts. Um, and then obviously at the end of the day, it's down to the client, the type of body that they want to achieve. Sometimes they don't want to be too lean. Sometimes, you know, they don't want to be too big. And sometimes the proportions that they're looking for are somewhat different to the coach. Um, and that's massively important too. So for me, um, as, a, as a small, skinny Irish kid growing up in the middle of nowhere, I really wanted, I, I obviously my rugby background meant that a lot of the kind of sports professionals that I watched were rugby players. And they always had kind of big legs, big arms and, and were big dudes. I was none of the above. So the areas that I wanted to grow in particular were always my arms and my legs, generally speaking. And they were, I suppose, my weakest areas at the time. So, I mean, they're, they're, they're not huge by any means, but they're bigger than they were in proportion to the rest of my body now. I feel like I spent a huge portion of the, you know, the early years of my life when I was training, avoiding a huge amount of resistance training on my legs because I used to do sprinting and I used to, I was, I was quite quick and I didn't want it to affect my ability, um, you know, to run if I felt like, you know, maybe I went too hard in the gym. And the truth was, I probably just didn't have the right form. I was probably going overly heavy and I was probably hindering my process going forward. I spent a large part, part of my kind of rugby career being injured or nursing injuries as well. So overtraining was something that I was massively guilty of, even from a very young age. 
So some exercises I shied away from, some body parts I shied away from training. And I probably spent a large kind of portion of my rugby career trying to grow my upper body and then keep my legs fresh for for sprints or agility or game day. And I think that had an effect. I mean, legs then when I turned into fitness were were a massive weak area of mine, although they were extremely strong, explosive, um, and I could generally outlift most of the people in the gym, even now per body weight. Um, I'm quite strong for, for my weight. But I've kind of moved away from those lifts and start to focus on really contracting the muscle, um, making sure my training frequency is high. And these are all things that we're going to we're gonna speak about today that I feel, whether it's legs, whether it's arms, whatever it is, that's important. For you ladies out there who are trying to grow your glutes, it is no different. It is absolutely no different. At the end of the day, it's a muscle. A muscle cell does not know what part of the body it's in. You know, it's it, it, it gets a stimulus um, or stimuli from, from other neighboring cells, um, and in terms of trying to elicit, a, you know, a growth response, it's exactly the same, you know, regardless of what muscle it's in. So the thing for me is people would say genetically I have small arms or genetically I have small legs or genetically, you know, I can't grow this. It is, and I was under that impression for a long time. And the more I learn and the more I educate myself and the more kind of like-minded people in the industry who I speak to and discuss it with, and if you look at any of the, the pros or, or, or the master educators within fitness, the vast majority of these people will agree that generally speaking, if you have a weak body part, the reason it's weak is because you haven't found enough decent stimulus to that muscle more, and frequently enough over a specific period of time to elicit um, a growth response. Generally speaking, of course, you can, you know, look at specific muscle bellies and, and, and high or low insertions and things like that. And obviously that will make it a little bit more difficult. But generally speaking, unless you get to, you know, a really, really high level, that is not massively important. I think if you train something effectively enough, frequently enough, and you recover enough, you will grow no matter what area of the body it is. So obviously, you know, one of the things I touched on there was training frequency. So training frequency is massively important. So if you think if you're training chest once a week and you want to grow your chest, you're training chest 52 times a year versus someone who's training chest twice a week, 104 times a year. If you really don't see the massive benefit of, you know, the, the, the frequency of training there, then you're really missing out. I feel if you're able to recover um, and, 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 and you're not fatigued, you know, two, three, maybe days later, obviously, depending on, on how advanced you are as an individual, then there's no reason why you cannot train a muscle, you know, three days later. There just isn't. As long as you can recover, you know, efficiently and effectively enough, then it's not an issue. All you're doing is increasing your body's ability to grow, increasing the period of time at which your, your, um, your anabolic window is of, of hypertrophy is open. So increase your frequency of training seriously, massively. It's, it's, it's a massive thing. If you look at people who now who are seriously advanced, they will maybe be breaking down their training frequency a little bit more and training maybe arms or shoulders or general bodybuilder split. If you're starting off, try and get as many muscle groups in as you can, but do it then more frequently. Push-pull legs, for example, or upper-lower 
Um, I moved back to an upper lower split, which sounds you know really basic, but I probably got the best results in terms of growth that I've ever got in my entire life about about a year ago almost. Um, and I was doing upper lower, upper lower day off, upper lower, upper lower day off. I had two upper sessions, I had two lower sessions, and there were kind of variations of each other. But so rethink your training frequency. It's massively, massively important. So moving on from that, obviously I said about recovering, right? So I don't really believe that you can overtrain for the most part. I think you're just under recovering. Um, if you can recover effectively and efficiently enough, and if you look at people at a really high level, they're not necessarily masters at, at, at training, although they are, they're masters at being able to recover from their training so that they're able to give 110% again quicker than anyone else. If you can recover faster than anyone else, you can train more frequently than anyone else and you're going to see the better results. It's just That's just as simple as it is. Um, so your nutrients clearly are massively important your nutrition your supplementation is massively important but the time that they're most important is in around the workout perimeter it is quite difficult depending on where you are in your cut or your growth phase or or you know what you're doing to be to have similarities you know if someone's cutting and someone's growing obviously their nutrients or or their nutrition or the calories that they have in around the workout perimeter will change to some degree but even my clients who are drastically cutting will still have a large number of carbohydrates for the most part in and around the workout perimeter to ensure that they're able to recover. If they're not able to recover, they're not able to train hard enough the next day and it's going to be counterproductive for the long term. So ensuring that your nutrition is on point. If you don't have help with that or you really don't know what you're doing, seriously, my advice is like, just ask someone. It doesn't matter whether it's a coach, you know, it doesn't have to be me, it can be anyone. Just ask someone for some sort of advice. Um, you know, it's, it, it's so important that you got your nutrition on point. If you don't, you know, you're, you're really just, it's a, it's a non-starter. Carb cycling is massively important. And this is something that I utilize massively when trying to grow my legs. So I was training legs, maybe a minimum of two, sometimes three times a week. And even now it's the same. And I will ensure that my high carb days are obviously on the days, um, you know, that I feel I need most growth. So you, you know, we all know if you're in a calorie deficit, you'll, you'll, you know, you're cutting or you're, you'll lose body fat, or if you're in a calorie surplus, you'll grow and, and you can't do either or without being in those ranges, whether that's true or not, we're going to put to one side and I'll discuss in another podcast. However, just because I'm in a surplus one day does not mean that I I'm not in a deficit for the whole week. I can still be in a deficit for the whole week, train legs twice a week, be in a surplus on both those days and still elicit and you know a, a physiological growth um, or a hypertrophy response to, to my legs on those days and just ensure that my overall um, you know calories are, are in a deficit for the week. So carb cycling, if you don't do it, is massively important. Obviously on a rest day, I don't need as many carbs. Normally I will go I'll increase my fat, decrease my carbs, keep my protein relatively around the same, depending um, on on my activity or or whether I need to recover from from previous days. But carb cycling is massively important, like one hundred percent. It's um it's huge. So if you don't know a huge amount about it, check it out. Um, maybe ask someone for help or or anything. Just for me, and 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 I I stress this on all my podcasts. Education is the most important thing. Become educated. And if you've got a coach who tells you to do X, Y, and Z, 
then ask, hey, dude, how's it going? Um, thank you so much for the new plans, but I'm just curious. How come, you know, you've decreased my carbs on my rest day? How come you've increased my carbs on my leg day? Is there is there a specific reason? Um, you know, for me as a coach, my goal is to educate. Uh, if I can educate my clients to not need me and, you know, they, they'll probably, you know, they could be with me for three months, six months, 12 months. But after that, you know, they can go on and do their own thing and never need a coach again. Of course, my advice would always be to learn, educate and, and try different things. But if you're not getting that sort of response from 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 your coach or the book that you're reading, just keep learning, keep asking, you know, whether it's um, whether it's a coach, whether it's, you know, it's online forums or, or things like that. The one thing I will say is just try and have some credibility from, you know, where your information is coming from. If some guy down the gym said that I need to do this to grow my legs you know, versus here is a peer reviewed article on this, um, this, you know, heavily referenced site. I know which one I would choose, right? I know which one I would look for. So make sure that your information, if you're going to take it on board is some bit sound. Uh, Yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty important to be fair. So here's a point I want to make. If someone comes to me and I say, dude, you're trying to grow. I can decrease your calories for you and you will gain more muscle. You will elicit more of a hypertrophic response. 99% of you out there going, no, that's not possible. What I'm saying isn't that I will decrease his calories and put him in a deficit. What I'm saying is, let's just say his his, his basal um, metabolic rate is, say, just say 2,000 calories and he's having 4,000 calories. I could drop him down to 3,000 calories tidy up his his nutrition, ensure that he's being efficient with the extra thousand calories of a surplus that he is in, and he will get more of a benefit than having the extra 2,000 calories that's full of junk and calories in, in areas of his day that he doesn't need them. So my point there is, it's not always about getting the food in. That being said, depending on your gut health, how much of that food is your body actually using, and then obviously we're not we're not even touching on the fact of the training side of things. If you're not you know eliciting um, a, a, a proper um, response in 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 terms of training and your physiology, then you're not going to grow either. But we're just talking about nutrition for now. So um, that's massively important. So you can decrease your calories but make them more efficient. For example, if someone's having a Mars bar every day before they go to bed, and I say right, that's 256 calories. I'm going to drop that out. I'm going to give you an extra, you know, 25 grams of inter-workout carbohydrates. I'm going to put it during your session. You know, that's 100 calories. I've dropped that person's calories by 156 calories, yet they're going to see a better um, hormonal response, um, better recovery, better strength, um, and overall better better results. Probably, you know, obviously they will lose lose more body fat at the same time whilst growing probably better. So, be efficient with your nutrients, be efficient with your supplementation, be efficient with your nutrition, massively important. So I think for me, I think when I look at now areas that were weak areas of mine, um, I feel like, you know, I, I feel a massive sense of achievement. But then obviously, the, I suppose the world that we're in, we always want to improve, right? So most most of us, at least. Um, are in this game because you know we like improving we like change and that's kind of never ending I think if I look at myself now and you showed me a photo 
you know, five, ten years ago of me now, I would have said, oh, sweet, I'll stop then. But then you get there and you think, oh, well, you know, maybe I'll do this. Maybe I'll do that. And for me, it's a continuous kind of growth learning phase, not just about myself, but with clients. Um, so my advice for you guys overall, you know, take take on board, you know, what I'm saying, um, but learn, learn as much as you can, educate yourself. You know, if it means paying for a subscription site, if it means hiring a coach, give it a go, see how it goes and um, and just try and try and educate yourself to be able to do it long term, do it long term. And I think I use this analogy a lot, but you want to give a man a fish or do you want to teach a man how to fish? And I know which one I will choose. And, and, and that's kind of my my mantra with my clients is if you can teach a man how to fish, then you, I mean, that's job done in terms of a coach. Of course, there will be coaches out there that will try and keep you as a client as much as possible and try and inhibit your freedom. But I think you will sense that pretty, pretty quickly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, this is just such a massive area. Like everyone is reaching out to me. I think women in particular who want to grow glutes and things like that, it is no different, you know, for you ladies out there who want to grow glutes or hamstrings or, um, you know, who it, it's exactly the same, you know, train your glutes more frequently um, in terms of load and contracting the muscle. Obviously that is massively important. And it's the same with guys, it's the same with arms, it's the same with legs. Ensuring that you're getting a decent contraction is paramount. Of course, we can talk about progressive overload, which is really important as well. Of course, um, unless you're eliciting a novel response that your that your muscle or your body hasn't experienced before, then it's not going to adapt to change. So obviously, it goes without saying that you need to improve. You need to lift more weight, you know, more frequency. Just one thing on progressive overload. Progressive overload is not only increasing the weight. Progressive overload can be decreasing the rest time, increasing the reps, um, you know, increasing the the, the overall volume. Uh, increasing the time under tension. These are all different things that you can use as gauges to to progress in your lifts. So that being said, and and I've started to do a a few rare personal training sessions now that I'm kind of somewhat based in London. And the one thing I see is as soon as I help a client with a specific lift, get a specific contraction, and they really feel the muscle working, and, 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 you know, the actual muscle that you want to work rather than just fatiguing and feeling tired, then even if it means dropping the weight, even if it means dropping the weight by a quarter, they're going to see a better response. And also you need to take into consideration the strength curve of the exercise, depending on the machine. You know, for example, if you're going to be doing a, a bench press versus a row, they're, you know, inverse movements, but, you know, obviously due to gravity and where your body's going to be, you know, obviously your muscles are, are going to be shortened in a different position um, further away from your body versus closer to your body. Um, so with some movements and some exercises, as the weight is, is moving towards your body, sometimes it's getting easier and sometimes it's getting more difficult. Ensuring that you're aware of those strength curves may be far outside, um, you know, a lot of the scope of some of the people listening. But for those who, and, and that's maybe a little bit more advanced, but there are things to take into consideration, you know, don't get bogged down by those. But, you know, as you develop and, and, and as you grow or personal trainers listen to this now, I know there's quite a lot of you um, guys out there who who are personal training, who've who've reached out to me um, and really enjoy the podcast. So for you guys with your clients, 
ensuring that you you have some knowledge over the the specific strength curve. For example, I'll give you the easiest example. You stand up and you've got a barbell curl and you do a few reps. Let's just say you bang out like 15 reps. The chances are you are um, contracting your bicep in a very conventional um, range of range of um, movement and you're not fully extending your bicep down the bottom, not always at least. And in that exercise, it's actually quite difficult to do. So my advice there would be to lay back on an inclined bench, get some light dumbbells and pull your elbows right back behind you and... Um, and do um, do dumbbell bicep curl um, off the incline bench. That to me really will activate an area of my bicep that a standing dumbbell um, or barbell curl will not. Vice versa, it's really difficult to contract at the top of the movement with that exercise. So for example, I will go into the cables um, and I will hold onto one side with one hand um, onto the frame and then I will grab the, the cable and I will do a... Um, a curl over the head and really try and squeeze at the top of the movement to really try and activate, um, you know, my, my, the top part of my bicep, but ensuring that you're aware of fully stimulating the muscle in specific areas means that you're able to elicit a better response or, or a better growth response in those, um, specific muscles as well. Like if you're working in the same strength curve all of the time and you're not seeing any results, it may not, of course, you need to look at nutrition, like I said, look at carb cycling and things like that. But maybe you actually need to look at how you're actually training, like how you're damn training. Like if you're training is shit, then you're just not going to respond. If you're training is shit, then you're just not going to progress. And it's something that I've spent the vast majority of the last year really trying to focus on, you know, the people I spend time around and the people I'm, I'm specifically training with to really bring that level of intensity. And it is no coincidence that, you know, my physique has changed um, pretty drastically, even in the last kind of, you know, six to nine months by changing my exercise selection a little bit. That being said, if you're just starting off, you know, I would get a lot of the smaller steps in place first and then kind of flesh that out as, as, as things progress. But um, yeah, they're all things, guys, you need to take into consideration with lagging body parts. Of course, as always, if you have any questions um, about specific lagging body parts or, you know, you, you you have some questions or queries, ping me an email, chrisbermanfitness at gmail.com or drop me a DM. Drop me a DM is probably the, the most efficient way of getting in contact with me because um, generally speaking, that's where the majority of the people asking me about online programs and things come from. So, and yes, it is me replying to all of them. It's not, um, it's not someone else. So if you, um, have any questions, just, just ping them over. And for those of you guys who are a massive, um, you know, supporter of the podcast and always posting on your story, I get dozens of those every day. So thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Um, and hopefully I can add a little bit more value. You guys will have seen that I've posted 10 episodes already, took a week or two break. Now I'm gonna be posting another 10. Uh, today, of course, is Monday morning. There will be another one out Thursday and it will continue Monday, Thursday, just like the last uh, set of 10 I've done. So yeah, guys, thank you so much for listening. Um, as I kind of sign off every podcast, make today a good one. You will not get this day again. Peace.